Have you got Bibles this morning? We, we're talking, we've been talking about the breath of God, and um, my message this, this morning is continuing that uh, theme, talking about the breath of God, but I also want to talk about the river of God this morning as well. So we're talking about the breath of God, and we're talking about the river of God. So why don't you nudge the person next to you and say, we're talking about the breath of God, and we're talking about the river of God, just so everybody knows what we're doing. All right, you all know what we're doing. If you've got a Bible, can you go to the book of Ezekiel, please? Maybe you'll have to look that up in your contents page first, because it's not a book we often go to. Uh, we have been preaching out of Ezekiel, and we've been looking at Ezekiel 37, where there's this valley of dry bones, and, you know, he begins to preach to the bones, and the bones come together, and then, you know, he begins to preach to the breath, and then the breath of God comes and fills and makes a mighty army. So we looked at 37, and we're going to continue looking at that, but let's look at 47 this morning. It won't come up on AV, so you need a Bible. You need, if you don't have a Bible, snuggle next to someone, you know, and check it out. Um, so we're going to go from Ezekiel, then we'll skip to the book of the Revelation, and then we're going to go to the book of John. So we're going to do some Bible reading, and then, and then we'll get into some, some uh, application for it as well this morning. Father, we give you this moment. I pray for revelation, Lord. Let revelation flow. Um, none of the flesh, Lord, all of your spirit this morning. None of me, Dad, you. This is, we yours, Lord. We your people. Um, and, and we need to hear from you this morning. So may you speak loud and clear through, through this word this morning in Jesus' name. Uh, 47, are you there? Verse 1, okay. It's, uh, it goes like this. So Ezekiel was, was a, an incredible prophet. I mean, he saw some stuff, eh? I mean, this guy, you know, I mean, it's just, you read the book of Ezekiel, you'll be like scratching your head saying, what the? You know, I'd love to actually meet this guy in person. Because I'm just like, what kind of, I, you know, I've got this idea in my mind of like just some guy with like long hair and just unkept and just wild and different and maybe a bit like a John the Baptist, you know, like just a not fitting in with society kind of person. I don't know. Because some of the stuff he sees is incredible. So anyway, he gets this prophetic vision. Verse 1 says, he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water. Say there was water. There was water, and where was it coming? It was flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, from the front of the temple faced, for the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. So it was coming from the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me round on the outside, on the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water. Say there was water. There was water, and it was running out on the right side. Why is there water? And when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 cubits and brought me through the water, and the water came up to my Waste. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I could not cross. Knees, I mean, ankles, knees, waist, and then uncrossable, deep river. He said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? In other words, do you get this? Lord, help us to get this, I pray. Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I saw, sorry, when I returned there along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and the other. 
Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region. It goes down into the valley. Say into the valley. And it enters into the sea. It's talking about the Dead Sea, okay? The Dead Sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Praise God. Praise God. When the water reaches the Dead Sea, we're going to keep reading, the waters are healed. We're talking about a a stream of healing here, people. We're talking about a a stream that's carrying the ability to transform the natural. Okay? And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there. For they will be healed and everything, say everything. Everything Everything will live wherever the river goes. It shall be that fishermen stand by it from Engedi to Eglaim, where there will there will be places for spreading their nets. There will be fish will will be of the same kind as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. Um, but if swamps and marshes will not be healed, they'll be given over to salt. Along the bank of this river, on that side and this, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither. Their fruit will not fail. They will bear every. Fruit in every month. Can you say every month? Every month. <laughs> Including this month, Lord. Amen. <laughs> Amen. This month. <laughs> this month, Lord. <laughs> every month, Lord. This month, Lord. Because the water flows from where? Comes from the sanctuary, the temple. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Ah, oh, there's so much in here. You know, and and I, I've got so much to share this morning, so just stay with me. We're going to go to the book of the Revelation now. So we, we're, we're introduced to a supernatural river in Ezekiel. And I don't know about you, but it sounds incredible. I mean, it's the, the idea, the picture is it's flowing from the temple out, and wherever it's going, it's bringing life. Everything's living. Everything's swarming with life. There's nothing's withering. Everything's prospering. This river is flowing from the sanctuary. Then we're in Revelation 22, verse 1. It says, Then the angel showed me, now this is the Apostle John. The angel showed me the river of the water of life. He has a river again. Okay? A river of the water of life is clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. And... Sure. Wow. Uh, sorry thank you Lord and um, I'm in Revelation am I yeah okay then the angel showed me okay I've said that sorry Uh, uh, was flowing from the, the throne of God <laughs> of the Lamb. Uh, sure. <laughs> Take some, all right? Take some of this. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> oh, man. Whew. <sighs> okay, sorry. 
I'm here. Okay, it flows from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street um, of the city of Durban. And each side of the river, on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit in every month. Say every month. Every month. Every month. Oh, thank goodness I got through that. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, yeah, so we're introduced to another river. <laughs> so there's a river in Ezekiel, and then we sing this river in, in Revelation. Okay, two rivers flowing, two rivers of life, trees, life flowing from this river. Um, they're, they're, these are prophetic pictures that these guys are getting. Prophetic, amazing, awesome pictures of something that God is doing in the Spirit of something that's happening in a realm that's not of this realm. It's, it's not a natural realm thing. And um, I can imagine, you know, if we go to the time of Jesus and, you know, you all you've got is these these Old Testament prophecies like Ezekiel. And, and it's not only Ezekiel. If you go look at Joel, go look at Amos, go look at Zechariah, there's this constant picture of a river that's flowing, uh, this river of life that's flowing from God to people, to the city, to create life, to bring healing. It's all, it's all over. And, and these, these guys, you know, they, they have these pictures in their minds. And then Jesus comes on the scene at the right time. And in John 7 and verse 37, he says this, On the last day of the great, the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and drink. If anyone is thirsty, not the person next to you and ask, are they thirsty? Tell them they can go to Jesus. (laughs) Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living, rivers of living water will flow from within him. And by this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive, because up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So here they have all these pictures of rivers from these Old Testament prophets, and here Jesus comes and, 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 and nails it for them, you know, kind of tells them what this is. He says, I am the source of that river. That river flows from me. So all those pictures that you see of it flowing from the throne, flowing from the sanctuary, flowing, it's flowing from God, from Jesus, the Son of God. It's flowing from me, he says. The rivers flow from me. They don't flow from religion and duty and legalism and anything else. They flow from him. And they're supernatural rivers. And he tells us what this river is. He says, the river is my spirit. It's the spirit. The river of God is the spirit of God. And so every picture that you've seen about these rivers and the life that they produce is actually what the spirit will come and do in your life. When you see that river causing trees to flourish and animals and life to flourish, what you're seeing is a, is a picture of your life, 
of a spirit-filled life, of a life that has the spirit of God living and breathing through it. That's what a spirit-filled life is meant to look like. The Bible gives us these pictures to kind of describe, you know, we've been talking about the breath of God as the Spirit of God. Now we're looking at the breath of God, the Spirit of God as a river. So it gives us these, these two pictures of what the Spirit of God comes to do in our lives. It uses symbolic, descriptive language so that we can have an idea of what the Spirit of God does for us, what it's meant to be to us. And when we look at this, what we see is two images, two powerful images, a river flowing with life. We see breath coming like wind coming. Two incredible pictures, wind and water. That's what the Spirit of God is like. And I want you to know, people, that it's not saying the Spirit is, you know, it could have used any analogy. I mean, how important is water and wind? To life. <laughs> Essential. <laughs> Take away the water and the wind and everything is, what? What have you got? Everything collapses. Everything is built on. Everything is sustained by. Everything moves in sync with the water and the wind. This planet, think about how it's held together by water and wind and how that works together. Precipitation and air rising, falling, moving. Just, just everything is climate, seasons, moving together. Wind and water are essential elements to life on earth. So the Spirit of God is essential to living the life that God has called us to live. Essential. People, I want you to know, he didn't say the Spirit of God. He's just like, okay, it's like a shoelace. You know, it's, it's kind of like a, you know, a shoe or it's like a building or it's like a, a key or it's like a... Th- he didn't use any of those things to try and illustrate for us what the Spirit of God is. It's like wind and water. It's essential. It's powerful. It's significant. You know, water, wind, they multivary, they multifaceted, they're, they're, they, they capture, water captures our imagination, wind captures our imagination, it captures, you know, we're, we're in awe of these things, of what, you know, a gentle breeze to a hurricane, to a tornado, to a calm lake, to raging waters and rivers. These, these things can be gentle, but they can be powerful too. They can, they can, you know, they, they can change entire th- situations around. So can the Spirit of God change your life. So can the Spirit of God move in your life. Essential elements. There is a big difference between a Spirit-filled life and one that's done in your own strength. Such a big difference. Massive, massive, massive difference. I met a seminary professor once. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm having a good time. Don't worry. If I'm a little strange this morning, I'm just, I'm okay. That's <laughs> just so awesome. I met the seminary professor once and, he, and we were just talking and I was like, I wanted to know from him. He's been, he teaches the Bible for years. He's a doctor in theology teaching the Bible for years, and I was like, tell me about your devotional life. You know, I want to learn from you. And he said, my devotional life is to do good to others. So I was like, oh, okay. And then we got talking a little bit more, and I found out that he, he didn't actually really believe that the Bible was the Word of God. True story. Okay? He didn't actually believe that the Bible was the inspired Word of God. And 
And he didn't believe like when we read in the book of Acts, like when we see the Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming. He believes these are allegorical stories. Okay, stories told that you can't really trust and stuff. So I was like, oh, wow. And so his faith was reduced to be good to others. Be a nice person. <laughs> um, behave. <laughs> That's what, you know, and I just thought about, you know, it's amazing how the Christ- Christianity can become that. It's amazing how it can be like, just, well, just behave, just be a nice person, do good to others. When, the, and th- that, when Paul said this, he said, the gospel of God is the power of God unto salvation for all who would believe. And it comes from faith and it leads to faith. So it is written, the just shall live by faith. The gospel is not be good, people. The gospel is not behave. The gospel is not go try in your own strength. The gospel is not like be a nice person and smile at people and go to church on Sunday. That is not the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who would believe. Paul said this when he arrived in Corinth. He said, when I came to you, my preaching was not in eloquence of man. And not in the wisdom of man. But I proclaimed to know nothing amongst you except that Jesus Christ was crucified and that he rose again. And my language and my message were not in eloquence, but they were in demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith might not rest in the eloquence of man or the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Our faith rests in the power of God. There is a power in this gospel. There is, you know, we, we if, if, if you, and what, what is that power? The power is the breath. Of God. It's the Spirit of God. That's what the, what's in this gospel. You know, it's just a book, but it's, but within this book, it's, it's, and it is, it's just words on paper, but it's, uh, in this book, there's a power. And it comes from faith and it leads to faith. And the just shall live by faith. There is a power in this gospel. There is a supernatural in this gospel. It's much more than read and obey and try harder. It's much more than that. In it is life itself. In it, in this gospel, there's a river of life. In this gospel, there is breath for you. And, 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 I, and I'm emphasizing this and I'm trying to show you, church, because we need to be people who understand how valuable the breath of God is and how valuable the Spirit of God is and how we need this river of God to flow in our lives. How we need to. Why? Because expectation is everything. Every Jesus said, if any man is hungry or thirsty, what did he say there, John 7? If any man is thirsty, come to me and drink. I went and studied thirst when I, when I read that. And there's a, there's a science behind thirst is that there's actually a particular part of your brain that is devoted to telling you when you're thirsty, okay? And uh, and and it and it measures your blood and everything. It's like a little barometer, and it measures like when there's not enough liquid in you, and it alerts you and it makes you thirsty, so you go and drink. And as you take 
a drink, it registers that you're taking a drink and then it tells you, okay, you've had enough, stop. You know, there's this, this thing. <laughs> but, you know, we've got this thing in our brain to help our physical bodies with thirst. And when we're thirsty, we go and drink, yeah? We, you know, you've been thirsty, you go for a drink. That thing is telling you to go. But, you know, in our spirit man doesn't have a brain as such like that. Our spirit man doesn't function, doesn't have that thing. Our spirit man functions on revelation. <laughs> so if you don't have revelation, you don't know you're thirsty. And you go dry. And you go empty and you go without. And you go without the power in your life. You go without the breath in your life, without the stream in your life. Simply because you're just not thirsty. And knowing how thirsty you are. How do you get to know how thirsty you are? You need revelation. How do you get revelation? You pray. And you sit under the inspired word. <laughs> That's how revelation comes. As we begin to pray, we begin to see more. As we begin to understand. In the, the church in Laodicea, in the book of the Revelation, in, in chapter 3, there's this church called in, in Laodicea. And, um, and this church, you know, Jesus said some strong things to this church. This church was, is known as the lukewarm church. Okay? And it's very interesting. He says, you, you're lukewarm. And then, but when he looks, addresses them, he says, you say that you are fine, that you're okay, that you are clothed, that you are wealthy, that you have everything. But I say to you, no, that you're naked, you're wretched, you're blind, and you're going without. I thought about it. You know, it's possible we could be at church thinking we're really okay but we're really going without. <laughs> but we're really going without. It's like a, it's a deception. We don't have revelation of our condition. We don't know what state we're in, and therefore we're not able to thirst and go after what we really need. I mean, imagine not, what, that part of your brain not working. What would happen to you? You dehydrate. You become limp. You become ineffective. Anybody seen anybody dehydrating? And, and if, what, they can't do anything. You collapse. And then what happens? Your heart starts to fail. People, there's something in that for us. It's possible that we, we could be dehydrated, Christians. <laughs> it's possible that we could be dry and collapsing and not powerful because that revelation hasn't come. We, we don't have the revelation. And what was the answer to the church in Laodicea? What did he say to them? I stand at the door and I knock. <laughs> Can we knock this morning? Can you knock? He stands at the door just for effect, okay? <laughs> and I knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens, I will come in and I will sup with you. I will feast with you. I'll bring some chow and we will eat together and you will be nourished. You will be fed and you will be watered. You will be whole again. Church and Laodicea, hear what I'm saying to you. 
The answer is to open the door and let Jesus in. And to sit in his word and to sit in prayer. And as we do that, we get a revelation of our condition. And then we're able to respond accordingly and be filled with the spirit of God. You know, it's possible that I could get up here and talk about the essentialness of the Spirit of God, of the breath of God in your life, of the stream of God flowing in your life. And it's possible that you can think that you're okay. I got that. I was baptized in the Spirit in 1999. I, you, know, I was, you know, I can talk in tongues. <laughs> but since that day, how full are you? Because we've learned already in this series so far that we leak, that we dehydrate, that we live in a dry and thirsty land, as David described it in the Psalms. Oh Lord, I, this is a dry and thirsty land where there is no peace, where there is no nourishment, you know. And, and so we dry up and we don't know we dry. We don't know our spiritual condition because we don't have that revelation this morning. And so my prayer is that we would know our condition, that we would know the essentialness of this, of this breath of God. In Genesis 1 and verse 1 and 2, <clears throat> you don't have to go there, I'll just come up here. It says this, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Um, this is like our first introduction to the Spirit of God. And, what, and the picture that we see, this word is hovering, is the word um, brooding, incubating, vibrating. Okay, If you can kind of imagine that the earth is without form, it's empty, there's darkness, and there's this vibration, this energy, this, the Spirit of God, the Ruach, is that it's the same word Ezekiel used when he said prophesy to the breath. This is the same Hebrew word, ruach, okay? And it says, when it says here, the ruach of God was hovering, brooding, vibrating, moving, getting ready, and just kind of charging up, okay? And then what happened is, God spoke, and we see light come. God spoke, and creation came. Order came, light came, color came, creation came. All sorts of things came when God began to speak. And what we, what we don't realize is actually that, that the, there was a partnership taking place there. God was speaking, but the, the Spirit was moving. So it was the Word and the Spirit together creating everything. So... The Word and the Spirit combine to create order, structure, beauty in our lives. And you think about the words of Jesus and how they've changed the world. Think about the words of Jesus. I mean, imagine if Jesus never came. What kind of world we would live in, okay? Just, you know, the words of Jesus have changed men's heart. They've changed marriages. They've changed families. It's changed communities, societies. It's the words of Jesus in these gospels changed everything. Why? Because he said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. Jesus, the spirit descended upon Jesus and he spoke and the Spirit was moving. The, the, the Spirit, that's what the Spirit is. It's the anointing of God. It's the breath of God. It's the, the powerhouse of God. This, you know, this vibrating, this, this everything that this, you see in Genesis, this picture of just 
dynamite about to be released. And when we speak the word, the spirit comes on the word and we see power. We see stuff created. We see incredible impact from Jesus. And the problem is this, is that I say all of that to say this, is that it's easy to depend on the word. Because the word's right here. I can touch it. I can feel it. <laughs> I can look at it. I can see this word. It's tangible. And so, as Christians, what we do is we depend on the Word. We love the Word. We meditate on the Word. We pray the Word. Amen? But we, we forget the breath. We forget that other component to the Word. So we, we put our trust here, and because and, this is easier, it's tangible. And this whole breath, I mean, think about breath. It's intangible. It's ethereal. It's like, where does it come from? Where is it going to? Will it come today? I don't know. I waited for the breath. It didn't come. So then what? You know what I mean? So we, so how many of you prayed and, and you didn't get anything and it didn't feel like you almost felt like you wasted your time and like, ah, you know, why am I doing this? You know, (laughs) am I the only one? There was was a few, a few of us. Yeah. Okay. You prayed and you just did not satisfy, you know, in some way. Okay. So, so, so what do we do with that? It kind of goes into the back of our minds and we just kind of leave it hanging around there. And then the next time we come to prayer, what do we do? Well, we, we remember what happened. And so we just go for what we know. And we do our Bible reading and we do our devotional and we write in our journals. And, and then the breath of God slowly gets ousted from our lives. It slowly gets to the border, to the out, outer part. And I'm wanting you to see that it's the essential part <laughs> this morning. Because sometimes you can have all of that word and you can be dry, man. Dry. Dry, 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 dry. I've heard dry sermons. I think I've preached a few sometimes. That's why. Dry. You know what I mean? Just dry. It was just the word. It was just words. There, there wasn't life partnering with that word to create, to do the supernatural. There's, you know, and, and so we can become Christians that are just all about the natural. Where it's just our faith is there's no supernatural element to our faith. Our prayers are all about what really we can actually do in our own strength anyway. We're not asking for anything more than what's really possible or feasible or likely to happen anyway so but we attach our prayer like it's a fortune cookie we attach it there just to say we pray we i prayed you know we attach it there because actually our 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 world view our shape of this faith has slowly ousted the spirit of god slowly ousted this river that's of god and then what happens is we just become dry dehydrated christians Ineffective for God. Just not able to really be used by God in any particular way. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> any dry bones here this morning? <laughs> feeling, the, feeling the dryness. <laughs> they let it. Hey. Ah, you know. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. I spoke last week about being skilled at being filled. (laughs) 
we have to push past the awkwardness. We have to push past the, the failure that we've experienced. We have to push past the, the logic of our minds, the demand of life. We, we have to push past these things and, and really come to rely on the breath of God and these river, this river of God that flows from His throne. And really go, you know what, I'm, I'm going to set my face to seek this thing. I'm going to set my, my goal at, I, I've got the word, praise God, but I want the spirit, I want the breath of God to flow through my, my life, my wife. My wife didn't say this, but in that testimony, like the doctor said there wasn't even scar tissue. There, there was no, there's no evidence of anything ever being wrong. <laughs> Guys, that, that is a super, that is healing, people. That is healing. That is like God fixing like it was never broken, you know? Is there room for that in our lives? Is there even space for that? You know, this, is, this testimony has taught me something, you know? And, 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 and to be honest, there were many days where we would just, I would just be saying, Lord, we just declare healing. We declare healing. We thank you for healing. We speak order. We speak life over this body. And I can be honest that there are days where in my mind I'm just saying it. <laughs> my heart is, I don't know if it's really there, you know. But shame, God is gracious, eh? <laughs> hey, sometimes, man, he's just like, you know what, I can see you trying, yeah, you know what, like, let me just give you a bone, yeah, you know. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, make room for the Spirit. Okay, Lord, I'm going to wait on you for an hour. And if I don't feel anything, if I don't see anything, I don't hear anything, I don't, nah, I don't care. I'm here. I'm making space for the breath. I'm making space for that river. I'm, I don't, I know it's, it's awkward, I know, but I, but I see it in the Word, and so I put my faith in it, and I, and I trust for it, and I'm going to seek for it. And I didn't get it today, well, tomorrow. And tomorrow. And then I'm going to try again. And it feels like it's just at my ankles. <laughs> but I wait a little further. And then I wait a little bit more, and I start to see a little bit more. I see a testimony. I see in a divine appointment, I see some cash coming into the bank accounts. Hey, it's at my knees. And I'm starting to enjoy this. And then I wait a little bit further. And I go a little bit deeper and I wait and I press in and I'm crying out and I, and I do what the Bible says I to do. I shandai, handai, hot prayer, declare authority, everything. And the next thing, I'm starting to see transformation. I'm starting to see God do miraculous things, not only in my life, but in the lives of others around me. I'm finding that I can give prophetic words to people at the till. I'm finding people on the streets, and I've got a word for you. And I'm able to have the courage. I'm going to pray for this person in this situation. And, and I'm, now, now I'm overflow till I overflow. Fill me up till I overflow. 
now as Trish was saying, like, there's this overflow that comes. Now it goes from the waste and it's now it gets a little bit deeper. Why is there this measurement process taking place in the story that we've read? God is trying to show us that there are levels. There are levels. <laughs> There are levels, yeah. You you can be you can be ankle deep, man, and praise God for that. You know, praise God for that. I want you to know there's more. I want you to know there's more. There's more. Not just somebody tell them there's more. There's more. There's more. <laughs> there are levels to this thing. You think about this for a moment. Just think about this levels. Think about this for a moment, like. When you came to Christ, you had a revelation of the love of God. Compare that revelation to the revelation you carry today when we sing this song. Has it grown? Yeah. In fact, it it gets to the point where it's too deep, I can't actually get this thing. It's too far. You know, when I see God doing stuff in people's lives who don't deserve it, I'm just like, too deep. (laughs) This level's too high for me, Jesus, you know. I'm like, really? You know, when, when I just see, yeah, and that, that's how our revelation, again, the river was too deep to cross. And we sang about that. Your, your love is too far, it's too wide, it's too high, it's too deep. How can we ever get to the other side of it? We can't. And that's with every single attribute of God. It's everything related in our faith. It's the love of God, but it's also, man, what about the cross? Think about your revelation of the cross when you got saved and think about it now. I mean, we could just sit here and look at that cross. And we will never get to the end of what that thing means. You know, that's why we sing that song. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that. I'll never know. I'll never know. And and we won't. It's too deep. It's deep. Can you say deep? It's deep, right? And it's the same with the Spirit of God in our lives, is that you can have a level of the Spirit, but you have to wade further into the river, further. You have to set your mind on going further. The further you go, the wider it gets, the deeper it gets. So you have to have in your mind, I'm going after this thing. You have to have this thing, this resolution inside of you, like that same resolution when you said, Jesus, it's you. I give my life to you. I'm going to follow you. You have to have that resolution for the Spirit of God in your life. Resolution. Can you say that word? Resolution. It's the word for the day. <laughs> Today's word is? Resolution. Not revolution. Resolution. <laughs> resolution. That's the word for today. Make a resolution. A resolution, make a resolve that I am going for this thing. I'm going for this thing. I'm going for that. I pray for them that didn't get healed. Ah, it's okay. I'm going for this thing. I'm going for this thing. I'm going to get to those deeper levels. I'm going to experience those deeper levels. And really that resolution, I'm just going to be honest with you, and I'm sorry if I get boring, church, but it's a resolution to pray. If I, if I bore you about prayer, I apologize. But I can promise you that I, I don't think this is going to change for a while until you get it. I'm, not, I'm just going to keep going. 
until you understand that intercession is the main event in this church. And then when we say like Friday night prayer is like we pray once a month on a Friday night that, that all of us, are we there? And that, cause we've resolved. I'll just keep going. I'm sorry if you get bored, but that resolution is a resolution to pray. It's a devotion to pray. It's a devotion to seek His face. Amazing. As you pray, as you pray, as you pray, as you pray with authority, as you pray with understanding, as you pray using the Word, as you pray in the Spirit, stirring up your spirit, it gets deeper. It gets a whole lot deeper. And you start to see flourishing around you. You start to see transformation around you. And guess what? The river goes wider as well. What does that mean? It means that your life becomes not just about you. Your reach now goes further. To You're able to reach out to other people. The river goes deep, but it also, as it goes deep, it also goes wide. You see, as you go deep into the cross... And you understand that love of God, it's, and you go deeper, and you go deeper, and you really start to get that thing, because you're pursuing it in prayer and seeking after it, it's, it's very hard for you not then to reach out to the lost and have compassion for the lost, because of your deep revelation in the cross. <laughs> if you're not reaching out, it's because you're not deep enough. <laughs> Yo, that's good, yeah. That was a good one, yeah. If you're not reaching out, <laughs> it's because you're not deep enough. The revelation of what God is doing in the gospel is, is not really deep in your life. And it needs to go deeper. Don't be condemned. Just resolve. Make a resolution. I'm going deeper. I'm going after God. Can we be God chasers? Can we be? Amen.